If you could boil down the Christian faith into just one word, what would it be? If you could capture in its meaning and its message this service and a thousand services like it across the world, small churches and large, what would that message be? Would it be hope? Would it be faith? Would it be love? All of those would be good choices. The Old Testament prophets would propose this morning a very different word that is the center of our faith. They would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy 6, it's called the Shema, because the Hebrew word for listening or hearing is Shama. It is the great Old Testament imperative that God is speaking a thousand ways to every soul in creation, in your conscience, in the scripture, in the sun, in the cross. God is speaking and that your one single first obligation is to hear him. Of course, no one knew that better than Samuel. When he was born, his mom named him Shamael. Samuel, Shamael, God listened. And you will remember her experience in prayer and why she would give her firstborn son such a remarkable name. Years later, the lesson just got deeper. If God hears me when I pray, isn't it reasonable that he would expect me to listen to him when he commands? It's just the other part of a full relationship. If he hears me when I cry, then wouldn't he expect that I would hear him when he speaks? So one night, little Samuel, very little Samuel, small child, was waked with the sound of a voice calling his name. Shamael, Shamael. Eventually, Eli, the old prophet, says, Well, the next time that happens, you say, Speak, Lord, your servant listens. I wonder this morning whether there's not some soul listening to me and you are ready to enter through that same door. You're about to say that same thing to the great high God. You're about to encounter the single most important principle of your relationship to God, that when he talks to you, you're going to listen to him. All the blessings of God will connect right here. This is where they find traction. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of the sinners. Uh, that's, not how he, that's not who he listens to, not the world. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. When the, God wants to make a promise of his blessing to a person, he says, I've got to teach you to listen to me. Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. I, I understand things that I didn't. I see dangers that I would have missed. But before it can be a lamp, it has to be a word. Thy word is a lamp to my feet. Do you hear him this morning, my friend? Have you learned and do you practice this one great skill of the spiritual life that I will pay attention to what God is saying and I will do what he asks? If it was a blessing to Samuel to learn this early, it was also his greatest heartbreak. Because later in life, and we'll read that today, he will watch his young protege fail at exactly this point. Samuel learned early to listen, both in a moral and a physical sense. He will listen, he will, pay, he will attend 
to this great God. And he learned that lesson early, but Saul never did, and the results are tragic. Uh, if you do not have one of these sheets, you didn't know this secret when you came in today to get one of these sheets, well, you just raise your hand because a member of our church is going to give you theirs. Anybody you not have one of these sheets? Well, good. We're going to do this all together. Let's stand and read God's Word. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I, I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choicest of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. God's word. Let's be seated, please. If you want to hear God, you will need to go be still. Go get in your closet, said Jesus. Close the door, shut everything else out. You cannot find this great God if you love other things like you love him. He must be your single pursuit. In verse 11 of this larger story, and you may want to turn to 1 Samuel 15 for several other references of the larger story. Go to verse 11 of 15. I regret that I've made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and my commands. And Samuel was distressed, and he cried out to the Lord all night long. If you've ever prayed this way, desperate to know what God would have you do, desperate to know how God feels about a particular situation, you know that there are moments deep in the night when you just get still. It's 2 a.m. in the morning. You've prayed everything you know to pray. And you know you're not finished, but you don't have anything else to say. And it just gets still before the Lord. Somehow you know that now I just wait. I've talked enough. God has to talk to me. What you need is not a word from inside your head. You need a word from external place, from a holy place. A perspective that you don't carry around with you. You need to hear from up above you. And so you stop talking. You stop pressing your will and your agenda up against this great God. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the world be silent before him, says Habakkuk. If you think about it, that's actually the first duty of all reverence, of all respect. He is huge and high and holy. He's beautiful and smart and good. At least you could just be still. You could just let him be who he is. And if he chooses to speak to you in some clearer word, you could be ready. Surrender, that'll be 
the next step. As you get quiet, you're going to come to a door, and most of the time you'll find it locked. Uh, it is your will. Because part of what he's about to say to you is not what you want to hear. It will make no sense to you, and maybe you will even say so to him. That will not work, God. That is not wise. You don't, you're not from around here. You don't know how this goes. But if you want the Lord, his word, and his will, you must be willing for it to be something other than you. You've got to let him speak to you from his perspective, not your own. Jeremiah used to say, call to me. I'll show you great and mighty things. You don't know these things. This is not some psychological trick where you're just probing your own mind for your own will. This great mind is willing to talk to you. This amazingly wise being is willing to speak to you and give you help. Uh, whether he speaks on sexuality or eternity or contentment, whether he adds something that you didn't know or subtracts something that you always thought, you must not resist him now. You must let him say what he is going to say. In fact, the only thing that you'll need to resist at that point is your own tendency to take just a part of his will. To take the part of his will that makes sense to you, that works for you, that makes sense to our culture. Uh, that's where Saul fails. God tells him in this, go kill the Amalekites, all of them. If you want to talk about that, we can. It's not the point of this message. But I will tell you that inevitably you will come against a thing where he tells you something that doesn't make sense to you. Abraham, go sacrifice your son. Jesus, go let petty and vile men put you on a cross. Eventually, every believer comes to that moment where you either believe what he is telling you or you believe what you already thought. And so, in silence, you begin to find those places of your own soul where you still have your dukes up against him. Don't be alarmed. It's part of our race. It's part of the illness that we all have. We prefer our own mind over to a mind that's much better. Saul couldn't do it, or wouldn't. I don't know if that matters. He saves out the best animals and make him rich. He spares the king because it's a political point. And he'll even try the same lame excuse that we try. Well, I'm doing the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. But all that will say up in heaven is, you still never have learned, have you? You still don't know how. You still don't know how to soften your heart up against my heart. And so long as that battle rages, we can never be together what I intended for you to be. Submit, surrender. There are two messages that the church must always preach. The first is Jesus is our friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. We'll sing it to the top of our lungs. But the second is God is sympathetic. He's near. He's our friend. The second one is he is Lord. He is Lord he is risen from the grave, and he is Lord. Jesus will later say to people, uh, 
why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you, but you, you don't do what I ask you? That doesn't make any sense. Why would, why would you play that game, mental game, that somehow you're a believer, that somehow you belong in the family, that somehow you are his, but it just never gets around to being any action on your part? And there's no surrender, not, certainly none of the things that you most believe. It will not be a coincidence at the end of all time that Jesus says, welcome good and faithful servant. See, what he's teaching you is the one value that exists right now in all time is people who can hear what God is saying and do it without question. They just, they obey because his mind is greater than ours. Even when challenged and confronted, Saul just could not yield this point. So the third thing that we will talk about this morning, if you want to hear God, if you want to learn this new, brilliant, life-giving skill, is that you must then take steps of obedience. The proof that you have heard God will be not in your ears, it'll be in your feet and in your hands. Uh, you will do what he is commanding. Pastor, my understanding of it is so approximate. Certainly it is. Light only shines one step at a time. You, you cannot know fully where you're going. You don't know who you will be when you finally get into glory. You have no conception of the kind of creature that he made you to be. Good and wise and strong and kind. And You have no idea what this is. The only way out of your pr present predicament is to take one step at a time as you understand it. And he will be faithful to make that clear. He'll make that next step clear. And he will ask you to do it. And you can't go to church and count it as a substitute. In this sad, sad story, Saul says, Well, we saved out all those animals and we're going to use them in the sacrifice in the temple. It's a good idea. It'll, it'll work. We'll all be happy, right? We all get what we want. Um, and there's no question that... Old Testament sacrificial system was lovely and holy. It was beautiful in every way. The blood of the lamb, the rising smoke of the burnt offering, symbolizing prayer. But for every believer then and now, there is no substitute for obedience. There is no substitute. You can't go to church and say that somehow your assignment is complete. Obedience is higher, it is better, it is the true value of a friendship with God is that just, just you perceive the difference between himself and you. He is glorious and brilliant and kind. Why would you not trust him? And as you deal with that fact when he speaks, you say, yes, sir, I will do exactly that. Years later, Jesus will say from a perspective of privilege, man doesn't live by bread alone. In our language, that means you cannot put life together using only physical resources. Not bread, not money, not sex, not family, not pleasure, not recreation. This world just doesn't have enough in its equation to make you a man or make you a woman. Um, to be a man or a person in its original design, you will need the Word. 
He will need to do this miracle into your life that the great high God speaks into your life and you hear him. And Jesus says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word, the proceeding, gradual, progressive word of God. As you move from saved to sanctified believer, he just is going to guide you step by step, challenging, teaching, designing, calling you forward. To have that, says Samuel, you've got to learn to listen. To have the thing that you have needed more than anything for your marriage, for your children, for your health, for your nation, for this country, more than anything, what you really need this morning is a word from God, from the Scripture, by the Spirit, in your conscience, in creation. But to have it, you're going to have to listen. Ready to pray? Let's pray. What great kindness you are evidencing to us as you develop a remnant of people saved out of this lost uh, race. What great kindness you are showing that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word had a message. It said to people, called them home. And we, we hear it this morning. Uh, we pray that you'd give us ears to hear better. We would deal honestly with our own stubbornnesses and our own confidence in this lost culture and how it has interpreted things differently. But it's you. It's you we want to hear and be in right relationship to. Come, Holy Spirit, and convict. Show us each step along this way home. And um, be honored as you do.